This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. This one live from Apex 2023 in Las Vegas, Nevada. And also, I get to have a good friend of mine on. Mike Miller. (laughs) He wasn't available. I had to go through a list. A really, really good friend of mine. Scott Manov. Yeah, he's too good for me. Good friend of mine from way back. And we've done multiple episodes of the Remarkable Results radio podcast together. Bob Hype. Welcome, sir. Are you sure you want to do this? I mean, no one else would come in. So I got Carmen Tracy telling me I got to get an episode out. So you said yes. Yeah. I'm good. All right. I'm sure we'll be just fine. Rock and roll. You're easy. (laughs) So we'll take a minute here to thank our sponsor, Napa Auto Tech Training. Napa Auto Tech offers three-hour virtual technical classes that can be accessed from the comfort of your home. To find out what courses are available, go to NapaAutotech.com and click on the Napa Auto Tech class calendar link. Thank you to Napa Auto Tech Training for sponsoring this, making this all possible. And thank you, Bob, for joining me. Thank you. How have you been? Um, you know, it's been a minute since I've seen people. It's been interesting to uh, get out and... Uh, see people at the show after, uh, having the heart. Yeah. Having a, uh, just a turn of events with my uh, personal life. Uh, I think as you know, uh, for a while I ghosted everybody. So you know what? I'm trying to, uh, see what I can do about, uh, making amends and changing some things in life and, uh, apologize for ghosting you at one point. Well, same, same to you, Carm. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't ghost me. Like you, you called and talked to me for a while about the things that were going to happen after the heart. I mean, you're really, you're really lucky, right? Absolutely. I mean, I thought I was having panic attacks. Uh, I never had a heart attack or anything. And I was in my GP. Uh, he said, everything's good. A week later, I'm in the ER and they're telling me I need a double bypass. Wow. Just like, can't catch your breath or you just felt I had a kind of a pain and pressure in the middle of my chest. Yeah. One of the reasons why I thought it was anxiety is it would come up with zero like effort. I was doing nothing. Watching television, go to uh the bedroom at night, go to take my socks off and get this pain in my chest. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, I thought it was pure anxiety. Life was pretty stressful. Yeah. So given everything that I thought maybe the pain was because of some medicine that I had been on because uh, around Christmas, New Year's, I thought I had COVID, passed five tests. All of them came back negative. I got put on uh, like a moxicillin or something like that and couldn't figure out what the pain was. And the fact that it would happen without any, uh, like strenuous. Yeah. So ended up driving myself to the ER one morning because the day before I had shoveled some snow and just a tiny bit, like 10 by 10 area. Yep. And, uh, I had to sit down and just kind of not really catch my breath, but like relax and get the pain to go away. So I went in 
hundred percent thinking it was an anxiety figured, uh, they would do like EKG and give me the uh, blessing and, uh, maybe some anti-anxiety medicine and send me on my way. And I'd go to work. You walk into an ER and you tell them that uh, you're having heart, uh, or, or chest pains. Yep. They move. Yeah. EKG was fine. They did a troponin test and the troponin test, uh, was off the charts. That's that enzyme. Right. Yeah. 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 So when, whenever you have heart tissue, that's dying, it produces this enzyme troponin. I think if you're okay, it's less than 20 or something. Okay. And, uh, I want to say mine was in the 400 range or something like that. Man. I, I was like, okay, what, what is this? Yeah. Right. And, uh, so they kind of ran me through the whole thing of what it was. And so I went, okay, what's next? Well, yeah. you got to have a angiogram. Okay. So we got to discuss when we can do that. This is on a Thursday. They worked me in on Thursday. Doctor comes in, says, this is how it's going to go. We're going to come in through your wrist. He says, we'll basically go in. We'll plan on putting in a stent or two or whatever we need to do. And the whole procedure will be an hour or two, depending on whatnot. The doctor's like, I'd like to take my time and whatnot. Sure. And I said, what if the stents can't be done? And he said, well, then we take you out of, uh, the anesthesia and we have a talk. I'm like, okay. They, uh, put me through it. I remember kind of like when they're prepping me and stuff yep, yep. and sedating me. And then I remember looking over at a monster TV and seeing the dye go through all my, uh, arteries and thinking that doesn't look right. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it's been a couple of hours. Next thing I know is they're really waking me up in, uh, a post-op room and, uh, the doctor's coming in and explaining that I couldn't do a stand because of where the blockage is, it's in a Y, more dangerous to do a stent than a double bypass. Okay. So I uh, explained to me about how the double bypass is done. They can either take veins from your legs or the newest is they take arteries from your chest. Really? So basically crack your chest open. After I had the procedure done, I went on to, uh, Google or YouTube or something along those lines. And, yep. uh, Cleveland clinic has a video of the procedure and you have to sign off that you're 21 or 18 or yep. something like that. It shows the whole procedure. I could not watch it. Yeah, I bet. And yeah, uh, then you would have needed the anti-anxiety meds. We'll get back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they basically, they take and once they crack your chest open, then they kind of cut that muscle away from your pectoral oh, sure. area. Yeah. And then they grab these veins and they cut them from one spot. And then just, that's the bypass. It's already connected at the top. They bypass around to the bottom. So you back up. That's insane. What doesn't get talked about, I don't think enough, is 
for many, many people, we'll probably pick on men a little bit more, but just because there's so many more of us in the uh, profession, but I think it's uh, men and women alike, their first heart attack is their last heart attack. Yeah. And, and not because they've uh, had a bypass or had stents. It's because they're, they're gone. Yeah. Family history or something that. Nope. No family history. I mean, so, I was in the GP a week prior and he's gave me like the whole blessing of there's it, nothing mm-hmm. that would lead us to think that you have anything to do with any heart disease in your family or any history. But the fact is I indulged in things that didn't help ate whatever I wanted, loved my cigars. I mean, I've always drank. It was just a couple of beers or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. but it was a, a regular thing. It was, I mean, daily two beers and then lack of exercise. Don't ignore symptoms, but they don't tell us all the symptoms, right? Because the yeah. usually I think everyone's looking for the the left arm going numb or hurting. Yeah. And maybe, maybe like an elephant sitting on your chest. Yeah. But only recently are we hearing more about, you just can't catch your breath, cold sweats. Yeah. You know, not trying to get everybody listening all paper uh, sensitive to any kind of. So the best thing you could do right now, it's not covered by insurance, but it's only like, from what I understand, like a hundred bucks. Yeah. You go into the uh, doctor and tell them that you want a calcium test. Yeah. And the calcium test is basically, I believe, like a dye test in a CAT scan or something. That's the best predictor of blockage and uh, calcium buildup in your arteries. Wow. I found that out after. Of course. My aunt and uncle were telling me about it. And recently, a friend of mine had it because his uh, doctor's harping on him about cholesterol medicine and he's like no not taking that that's bad for me they basically made a deal you take and do the calcium test and if you fail we put you on the cholesterol medicine he was a hundred percent clean and he laughed at her good so i mean mean, good that he's healthy right absolutely don't ignore the symptoms darn it and yeah and in for a hundred dollars, why not baseline yourself? Yeah. For 98 years, the Napa name has meant quality parts and service. It also reflects top quality training programs to help you build a more successful vehicle repair business. No doubt the technician shortage is impacting everyone, but you're not facing this battle alone. Napa has the solution by making Napa AutoTech training available near you. Napa AutoTech provides automotive aftermarket technicians career development opportunities through structured, disciplined, measured, and high-quality technical instruction, no matter the technician or service advisor skill level. This instruction enhances understanding of vehicle systems, increases first-time repair capability, and overall customer satisfaction. It also prepares technicians to become ASE certified. It's a fact technicians who receive training to improve their knowledge and skills have a higher sense of job satisfaction. This reduces technician turnover and increases productivity, directly improving a shop's profitability. It is vital to the success of a shop's business that today's technicians are equipped to diagnose and repair today's complex vehicles. With our ever-changing technology, the technician's knowledge and skills need to be updated and refreshed on a regular basis. As you labor over the decision of whether to send your techs to get their skills sharpened, keep in mind... Napa Auto Tech Training is an investment, not an expense, and it's available to all. 
Much of Napa Autotech's training is offered in more than one format to accommodate varieties of learning styles and training preferences so each person can maximize their learning. Whether you're more of a hands-on person or enjoy learning at your own pace, Napa Autotech is here to provide you with the training you need and the format that works best for you. To learn more about what Napa Autotech offers, contact NapaAutotech.com. Afterwards, this gets done. It's a complete life change, right? Lifestyle change, maybe? So, yeah, it's definitely uh, a lot of changes. I mean, the doctors want you to change a lot of stuff about how you eat, drink, exercise, all the rest of that stuff. But the lifestyle change probably started for me two weeks prior, though. A situation where my wife and I had had uh, an epiphany and uh, she learned about some of my indiscretions. It's probably a, something that I would tell anybody that is married or isn't married, that if they have not shared everything about themselves to their best friend, yeah. spouse, whatnot, do it, be vulnerable. You cannot have a sustainable relationship having secrets. Right. I mean, you shared that uh, YouTube with me about that lawyer and yeah. saying, I mean, it, it, it was life-changing type of thing. And I haven't gotten through the whole thing. It's a hard watch. You go on YouTube, punch in James Sexton. He's a New York-based lawyer, divorce attorney. I have shared it with a lot of people. The interview he does with Lex Friedman, it's long. It, it's like four hours. And not all of it is very fast-paced. Not all of it is on uh, marriage and divorce. It is not a sales pitch to not get married. It is not a sales pitch to get divorced. His perspective as being this attorney that people tend to be more honest with him as their attorney than they are with their own therapists and definitely their significant others or future not significant others. It was very hard for me to watch uh, and listen primarily because it revealed things just so early on in my uh, relationship with my first wife that he, he says something and we don't have to uh, dwell on it, but he says something that I don't think should be ignored. And that's when looking at the world through rose colored glasses, red flags just look like regular flags that hit hard. Yeah, no doubt. Unfortunately for me, it was a wake up call late. I lived in the shame tank for a long time, you know, yeah. everybody has, you know, childhood baggage or whatever, yeah. you know, if you don't address it in some manner, it'll be with you in a negative way. Yeah. What I've learned in the last couple of years is to just not really be afraid of it, go after it, understand that there's a thing called, uh, IFS internal family systems. And it talks about, uh, we all have parts and basically like I carry my stress in my neck and shoulders. That would be a part. And it's basically like, there's some portion of me at some age that got hurt. And then that is a defense mechanism that is kind of tightens up and, and says, don't worry, I gotcha. Mm -hmm. Well, as an adult, I need to be able to see that and understand it so that I can say to that, Hey dude, I know you're here for me, but you know, I'm older, 
I'm wiser, uh, whatnot. Let it go. I got this. And then you can be the helper for that child or adolescent or whatever. I mean, going into this, I mean, before the heart went into therapy right away, honestly, I lied to the therapist. I wasn't yeah. about to tell him the whole truth about everything because I was living in the shame tank. Yeah. It's a situation that I didn't want to talk to friends. I didn't want to talk to anybody. The shame tank. You're, I know what I did wrong. I can, I got this. I can handle this. I know what mm -hmm. I need to change or I got to stop doing this or that. And you're not addressing the hows and the whys, right? I fear being a broken record. I know I say stuff over and over, but in this case, I feel like it bears repeating. We're walking, talking programs. We have a little bit of programming. Kind of when we're born, instinctual. Right. But our growing up, every interaction, our yep. environment, everything, it, it writes our programming. Absolutely. And through this time, like my therapist, I've had a couple of them. Uh, one of them recommended watching a video, Brene Brown. She is a psychologist uh, researcher. And she's written a number of books. And her claim to fame kind of is she researched shame and the killer to shame is vulnerability. I've read two of her books. It really pierces into what vulnerability is. Yeah. One of the first people that I was able to be vulnerable with, uh, was a really good friend of mine. That's a deacon in the Catholic church. The next person was you. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. We, we've always had an interesting relationship where we could, I felt could be real. Yeah. I think we've always, I'm not sure why it's moved towards me, but we've had mutual respect. And, I mean, you're kidding yourself, but absolutely. There's a lot to respect. So. Number, number one is you usually tell it like it is. <laughs> so that's, that's an extremely respectful, respectable thing to do. Yeah. Well, it depends, I guess. Well, right. right. But for the most part, so especially uh, in our world, yeah, especially in our world, we know exactly where you stand. That's all. And, and that's it, very respectable. And, and I guess when I look back at it right now, though, I would lay it out, but maybe I didn't do it in the best way. Maybe I was a little harsh the way I did it. And right now I'm trying to look back, analyze myself, how I'm living my life, where my focus is. Going in to have the heart surgery, I was praying to die. Wow. Today, I mean, I look at it as, okay, you didn't take me. So why am I here? Right. And, um, my friend, the deacon says, uh, obviously you've got a story that needs to be told. It's not ready yet, but it'll get there. You'll be there. So I changed jobs. That was a difficult thing. Yeah. I've got a team right now that, uh, I'm leading. I definitely don't want to say I, I'm a manager because I, I, I view that right now as a negative. You manage business, you right. don't manage people. Yeah. With this whole kind of outlook change shift, it's much more of a 
be vulnerable when it's appropriate to be a vulnerable. Yep. yep. And then it's a, a give and a take where they're like, wow, these shared a lot there that I didn't expect. Now they share and I feel like it's, um, I've got a rapport. I care for them and they care for me. Yeah. I mean, you manage businesses, you lead people. Right. And, and that leadership can move around, right? It has to. Yeah. It's gotta be dynamic yep. be, because we're all human. We all screw up. Absolutely. So, uh, well, it, it, very it, fallible. you have to have the ability to be able to point out the screw up in prior life. I probably would be more of a, um, knee jerk and yeller. And now I would say that it's more, uh, I try to compose myself a bit more, think about it, try to think about where they are and why that might've happened. I also incorporate or try to every day, meditation, prayer. I mean, it started out with just primarily meditation. Mm -hmm. If you've never meditated before, there's a lot of, uh, YouTubes and stuff like that to do guided really a lot of clarity comes out of that silence. Uh, for me was like, I don't ever want to be in silence because that's where the demons come out today. I mean, like a week and a half ago, I was on a, uh, weekend silent retreat at a Jesuit retreat house. I was first introduced to this. I thought. There ain't no way I'm going there because silence is where the demons come out. My first experience of it was back in January. It's not just silence. So there's a topic that's discussed and there might be some back and forth or a question answer. Catholic mass goes on. There's uh, just a lot of time for introspective stuff. January, I had this vision and I actually uh, saw somebody at a, like a farmer's market type thing, but they she was an artist. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about trying to put this vision into, I'm not an artist. Right, right. But I felt like an oil painting or something of this. So I discussed it with her a little bit. I'm trying to figure out if I can afford it. <laughs> when I told her about it, I mean, her reaction was like, did you have after death type of, uh, oh, experience. Then uh, no, I didn't have that. I definitely had an experience. Well, yeah. So you had that during meditation. Yeah. You said, let the demons out, but it also your mind plays. Yeah. That's kind of what it's about. It's kind of hopefully releasing their, right. their brain to play a little bit, almost like dreaming, but, or yeah. very much like it. Yep. The meditation portion is something that I think that once you start getting into it a little bit and like mine involves a lot of prayer time and stuff like that, it's maybe just having some conversation. Toughest part about conversation and for, I think most people is shutting up and listening. And when you're in silence, it's harder to shut up. (laughs) Yeah. To just shut her down enough to listen or I guess open, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's rough. Cause we, I think we've, we're just constantly bombarded with noise. And I, I mean that in the vaguest sense. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the biggest, uh, helpers for me though, was killing my Facebook account. 
as a positive and a noise reduction? Absolute positive. Greatest thing probably to start this thing off was killing that account. Wow. Understanding of how much FaceTime you're on your phone or screen time, I should say. Just how much that takes away from you. If we're being uh, really uh, vulnerable right now, like one of my vices that my wife didn't know about and probably a lot of wives don't know about, or maybe that's suspicion and mm-hmm. uh, whatnot, but was porn. Realizing what that addiction and the phone addiction does to the mind yep. and how much lack of clarity that you will have when you are constantly feeding that. And once you can get away from that, how much, and and especially incorporating now some meditation, how much more clarity you have. I'm a work in progress, but uh, I'm really happy with um, the direction I'm going. I'm starting to feel like I can get out there a little bit, engage with some people, try to make some amends. I'm reading a book for the second time. It's called The Rocking Chair Prophet, uh, Matthew Kelly. It has a lot of stuff in there about how not just America, the world, dehumanizes people. Just in the comments we make, the thought processes we have, that is something that I I really uh, struck me and how I right now go through walking down the street, you know, garbage hits me just like everybody else. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. It's knee jerk, whatnot. Then I get this, okay, wait a minute. What I just said or whatever, was that appropriate? Did that dehumanize that person? I'm not there. I'm I'm not trying to tell anybody that might listen to this, that I'm the guy. I'm a broken person trying to heal. It's a really brilliant perspective on that dehumanizing of things, dehumanizing people that, you know, we're talking about programming and not just you, anybody who's working on themselves, whether they're working a program, working with a therapist, you know, reading, educating, all that, rewriting your programming can be rough. It's it's hard work, right? And we could go down a rabbit hole on like neuroplasticity and so, yeah i've been reading a lot on that right? too yeah so yeah. there we go yeah and then it's rewire your brain it's freaking on the flip side stunning and scary how fast your programming can be rewritten by certain things yeah social media pornography it's so easy to attain right and really it's damaging Right? Oh yeah. It, I mean, they, they, I, I believe there's a bunch of stuff out there and I mean, don't quote me anyone, but talking about porn and cocaine and how similar yes. they are yep. when you do brain scans. Yep. Porn, cocaine, sugar, sugar. Same. Yes. A hundred percent. I'm a sugar addict. Hundred, hundred percent. I'm a sugar it's, addict. Um, it, it's mind boggling. I, I think that's a lot of the reason I do a lot of uh, or subjects or sub subjects of my episodes involve psychology is, is either as best as I can present it or bringing on like a Margaret Light to help me with it. A, fascinating to me. Absolutely fascinating. B, I, I think when we talk about cars and everything, we're talking about the underlying operating characteristics or 
theory of operation to be able to follow that to make a diagnosis. And yet we don't take that same process and apply it to our businesses, our people, ourselves. What's the underlying causes or potential causes? Right. At, at least worth reviewing. Mm-hmm. I'd love how you phrase that, though, that many of the things we do dehumanize people, whether it's somebody cuts you off in traffic, somebody messes up on a car, you mess up. Yeah. Right. You just, we can oh. sit here and talk all day about how we're fallible and prone to mistakes. And then we make a mistake and boom, oh. shame tank, boom, yeah. somebody else oh. did it. We're so much I tear myself down, just crap all over myself. And it's learning how to love yourself. But I mean, in a healthy way. No, right, I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, not in a prideful, arrogant type thing. Just a, I, I always say to my guys, be kind to yourself. Because that was said to me. I find it powerful. Be kind to yourself. If you find yourself being more kind to yourself, you find yourself being more kind to others. It's hard to do. Oh, I, yeah. I'm not very... I'm horrible. I'm not kind to me. Carm, you? I'm totally moved by this. Uh, I'm the man behind the curtain just producing this for you guys. And I'm, I'm just moved by this episode. Just moved. Thank you for being so vulnerable. I think people are going to learn a lot from this. Kind of going back a little bit to the ghosting, like you prepared me. This is going on with my health. I think I'm just going to kind of go off the grid for a while. I, I got to focus on some stuff, my health and, and, and diet and uh, exercise. I think it was walking and then stuff that you said you were kind of prepped a little bit for. Yeah. Um, that they, they kind of at least warned you that that kind of a surgery. Go can, back. Right. Yeah. I, I said we will have to retouch on that. Yeah, I, I, my counselor, I literally called him from the hospital, said, hey, I got to cancel the appointment because I'm going in for double bypass. He, he was freaked out, but he sent me uh, some YouTubes and stuff and some shared some information. If you have major heart surgery, something like 60 or 70% of the people have that go into major depression. Wow. Major depression. Wow. I mean, I had the surgery and whatnot. Everything was good and stuff. About a month later, the world came crashing down. I couldn't do anything but cry. Like, what is going on here? I promise I wouldn't say anything. And I know I'm just kind of the man behind the curtain here, moved by your topic. I've had stents. And I am so, every step of the way along your line, I was lucky not to have open heart. It was that close. Yeah. But Bob, I became the most emotional person after it. When I realized how I beat it, a nurse told me I shouldn't be here. And yeah. I said, you mean in the hospital? She goes, no, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. And that changed me. And uh, I could cry at chick flicks. I would be doing nothing. And I would just start bawling out. And, and the depression was so heavy. Everything is progressed over the time and to the point um, my wife and I are in the process of divorce. So the depression is up and down, um, but I'm definitely still on uh, antidepressants because I have to be. Yeah. It's just one of those things that uh, I know I'll get off of at some point in time, but my life needs to stabilize to some extent. I guess I never really thought about it in the realm that you said, Carm, 
But I mean, you shared yesterday that you were 98% blocked. Yeah. I was 99%. Yeah. For both of us, Widowmaker type yeah. thing. Yeah. We, I mean, it's life changing. Everything you said earlier in the episode yeah. about ignoring the signs totally happened to me. You got a break. I got a break. To your point, Matt, about sometimes your first is your last. Yeah. You know, I keep asking that question all the time. Why me? How did I make it? Still more things to do. Right. I don't know what I'm here for, why I didn't die. My good friend, the deacon says, live where your feet are. I really try to live by that as much as I can, because if you live in the past, that's haunting. And if you live in the future, it is also haunting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, for one, am uh, ecstatic here, here, not just living, living, not just living. But also here at Apex 2023. And first time in Vegas, it's been an interesting experience. Halloween on Fremont Street last night was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was uh, life changing, life changing uh, experience. Yeah. Yep. yeah. There's yep. just some stuff you can't unsee. Dude, my first experience was with uh, Harvey Chan and Mike and Lisa Miller and uh, I think Kirk Holland. They're just kind of like, you know, you, you got to see it. Up and down the strip, you can walk and see people. Yeah. I mean, they're all decked out. Right. Fremont Street is a whole nother level. I, I had my fill. Uh, it didn't take too long. I was ready to go. <laughs> go, But yeah, I was with a group of friends that uh, they were having a blast. So. And, and I think the point you all have to bring up is it was Halloween. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. That, no, was, that was, was it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was strange. My guess is if I were here... Like on just any other day, the street's going to be a freak fest. Yes. But Halloween just brought them out that much more. It was a different layer of when we were at Auto Mechanica and Comic-Con or whatever the heck was right. going on. Right. That was, whoa. That was, whoa. We were there with Harvey there too. Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Yeah. That was some memories. That wow. was an awesome time. And I don't want to paint the Fremont street experience is all freaking crazies down there because there were some costumes that were jaw droppingly good. Oh yeah. There was a predator. Yeah. My God, that guy yeah, deserved right. some sort of an award yeah. because you can tell you didn't buy it. He made it. Yeah. And I mean, I got one word for it. Damn. There was some really killer costumes. Yes. But yes. then there was some stuff that was just obscene and could have, yeah. Didn't need to. And the fact that, that there's children walking around. Yeah. That just was is like, really? Yeah. I, so I, hey, I got a question for you, Bob. Remember those episodes we all did together? Me, you, Peter, Matt. Could you do them again now? Maybe. Yeah. I, 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 you're, you're, you're in this, your second chapter. I mean, yeah. It's a different chapter in life. I don't know what they would be like, but I mean, you might, we had, we had a blast. We had so much fun. Yeah. We challenged each other. A lot of hard assing going on. A lot of language I had to edit out. And there, there's a lot of learning there too. I'm still oh, working yeah. on my language. But they, they, but they were fun. And so I asked the question, since you have turned into chapter two, I don't think you lost the Bob hype that we know. I just no, think at all. you may be a 10 times deeper, more emotional person and thinker. I, yeah. I don't know where I'm at right now. I'm, okay. I'm, an, I'm evolving is what yeah, I would say. That's good. Yeah, so. That's a good, because the, the open heart's only how much a few months ago. 
Oh, no. A little over a year and a half. Ago. Oh, a year and a half. Yeah, huh? it was February of 21. So think think about this yeah. journey. It's yeah. a journey. You're yeah. A- yeah, I mean, it's all it ever is. <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we're all on a journey. Yeah, a Just, month before my 57th birthday. Oh, I mean, 58th birthday. So, yeah. Way too young. Way too young. Well, I mean, yeah, and we're just trying to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all we're all trying to do is figure it out. I, I think I'm scared of people that have it figured out or say they do. Yeah, as far as, I, I mean, I guess it would just depend on topic and, I mean, who filled out the whole discussion group i guess i was 60 when i had mine yeah my stents when i hit 60 my dad at 60 had four bypasses wow and so on my 60th birthday my wife threw me a pretty big bash and that was the thing i was the most thankful for is i hit 60 and i'm okay yeah six months later i'm having five stents yeah and i said dad that damn uh, hereditary thing, because he died on the table for his, oh, wow. on his second bypass. Oh, my God. On his second. But he didn't do what you're doing. He never, he didn't change lifestyle. He didn't yeah. change. There's a lot of things he didn't change. You just learned so much. To your point, is it, you said earlier, didn't you? Is it in the family? And you said, no, no. There's, there's nothing there. Right. But for me, it was, and I was unwilling to pay attention to it until it happened. Yeah. If anybody takes anything away from the discussion of the heart stuff, go get the darn uh, calcium test. Yeah. Baseline yourself. It kind of reminds me, you know, I go for blood work every year. Go to the GP. I I go to the cardiologist once a year. I've had the big stress test. They took me off the the blood thinners, the whole thing. I'm wondering when I go to Quest for that blood test, if he does a calcium thing. They may be looking at that that I don't even know. No, you got to go into the, uh, like a CAT scan. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, it's not a blood thing. No. Okay. No. Okay. It's like a dye from what I understand. And then they're putting you into the CAT scan or something. And that's how, so yeah. I don't know about you, Matt, but this was terrific. Unexpected and ecstatic and yeah, uh, humbled, (laughs) very, very humbled. And I, I just can't, uh, thank you enough for coming on and being so open and uh, being one of my very best friends, I, I just, uh, I mean, every, every bit of it. I have, um, I would say, very few real friends. I changed my phone number. I think you were the first person to get the new number. Oh, so I shouldn't have shared it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was only on a bathroom wall, so it's okay. <laughs> I mean, from the first time we met. Just kind of hit it off. Yeah, it clicked, you know? So, and the fact that, I mean, six hours away or whatever, and you don't want me to come to your house or anything <laughs> like that. It's okay. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what this was going to be, and it is what it is. Thank you for being a friend. Anytime. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to the Napa Auto Tech Training for sponsoring, and thank you to the Aftermarket Radio Network for making this all possible. Thank you to Carm for uh, jumping on and not only just kind of producing the episode, but also uh, throwing in his two cents and just commenting and being involved because, I mean, you're part of the crew, man. I had a lot to say during it, but you had me spellbound, so I I didn't jump in much till the end. I always appreciate your thoughts and comments and questions. Good to see you, man. Good for you. I'm glad you made it over. Thanks for dinner last night. I mean, thanks 
Bill Nade thing. <laughs> we were fighting that credit card thing, and he somehow made a deal with the devil when he took right. it. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, take care. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.